my coping mechanism during sucky moments is I overwork and, you know, then my plate is extra full and then I go to burnout. Most highly ambitious people or successful people, they're so afraid to sit in that suck because that suck would mean that what if I get stuck? Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. I'm so excited to have someone who is an incredible woman, a good friend, and someone that just released a brand new book that's going to be probably very relevant for you if you're in business, you're in sales, or you're just traveling through life and trying to go through some obstacles. And if we're looking at the times right now, it seems like there are some events that might be causing anxiety. We might be feeling lost. Maybe we're trying to change direction. And if any of that is something that's happening to you, we are in for an amazing conversation today. So I have Dr. Nita Bushan, who wrote several books with her latest one being, well, that sucked. Now what? It's a journey about how to embrace joy in chaos and find magic in the mess. She's the co-founder of Global Grit Institute as well as the Dharma Coaching Institute. She has been training entrepreneurs, coaches, and really teaching so many people on how to do emotional mastery, be successful in business, and really take it to the next level. I love her story where she went into being super successful in an industry that was a little different, dentistry but was able to successfully sell her practice and now has been leading an education revolution when it comes to teaching coaches and entrepreneurs to have that massive success in the process. I'm so excited to have her on the show. Nita, welcome. Wow, Jason. That's so good to reconnect. I know. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And you know, it's so fun because we've had a little gap like pre-pandemic since we had a chance to meet and catch up. And as you were coming on the show, I noticed so many beautiful things you've been creating, including the Brave Table podcast. I know. We got to have you on. Well, send the invite. I'll definitely go. (laughs) But I wanted to kind of just talk to you about this book. You know, that sucked. Now one, first off, great title. Um, And you released it at the beginning of 2023. So I'm curious as to the inspiration here. Like, how did you decide that, you know, what this book needs to happen? Yes. So actually, you know, this book and everything around the book has been brewing since the pandemic. I think even before we hit record, we were kind of talking about our life transitions and shifts and changes. And Ajit and I, we made a huge shift in our family to move from... LA where we were at the time to Austin. And even before that, when we were just, you know, stuck in our homes, we were having quarantine conversations, being brave. And just that's kind of how that began. And then it led into really starting to connect the dots of, you know, all of the things that I've been through in my past, my sucky moments in life, personal and professional in business. And I wanted to meet people where they were at, especially, you know, since we were kind of in, you know, lockdown, I was going through motherhood and this journey of, you know, being in this transition of motherhood and new businesses, it had all of the, you know, sucky moments and everything in between. So this was a culmination of, I want to say, the transitions that I've experienced. And I know they call me the queen of grit, the queen of resilience. And 
this book has now been giving people permission to be brave. And so The Brave Table was my outlet for creativity and exploring those conversations. And this book, That Suck Now What?, was really just the toolbox around how people can access their emotions, especially when things don't go right. And especially when, you know, it's out of our control and when we are having a dark period or a dark time. And many times when things are not going good personally, it kind of seeps in to business and vice versa, right? Yeah. No, I find it so interesting. And, you know, I'm glad you brought back the history of the fact that, you know, you're the woman behind emotional grit, which is all about like, you're tough, you know, you can overcome everything. And I'd be curious to know, you know, when you see those trends with social media, we're all aware that it's a portrayal of our perfect lives, even the conversation or an admittance that maybe you're going through a darker time or a sucky moment seems like you're an absolute failure in the face of everyone else that seems to have their life together and things are going flawlessly. So I'd be curious to know when you see those trends on social media, do you see that it's actually causing even more anxiety around, you know, transitioning through these periods? Oh, gosh, yes. And I think now it's starting to change, though, with I think Generation Z, because now I feel like what I'm seeing is like people fully emoting either on TikTok and there's a little bit more of a normalization towards feeling to heal. Yet when I know when I was growing up and probably you, Jason, it wasn't like that. And I think that, you know, yes, while still, you know, the verdict is post when you're happy, post when you're traveling, post the fancy car, post, you know, the private jet. And it's not actually mainstream to share how we're really feeling. And one of the questions, and there's a pet peeve of like, you know, when you're asking somebody, well, how are you doing? But then they kind of just say, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like, no, really? How are you doing? And it unravels what we feel in it, from that question. But it also unravels, you know, the other side, what the other person portrays of that experience in really what they're feeling and more so what they'd want to share bravely, vulnerably. Well, we hear those terms of being brave and being vulnerable, but it sometimes can be very intimidating in a world that, you know, especially our generation, I guess I haven't embraced the whole TikTok wave, so I don't witness it as much. But now that you mention it, I'm like, oh, yeah, a lot of people are very vulnerable on those platforms. But one thing I find that's very interesting is particularly in the concept of having to sell, right? Like, my God, if you want to be effective in sales, like transference of enthusiasm, as Brian Tracy says, is one of the key components of selling. And if you're having these types of transitions in your life or you're going through some personal struggles, it can be so hard to sell. And at the same time, if you're, let's say, on a negative slump in your business or maybe, you know, cash flow is not going as well, or you're just maybe on a negative streak of not closing a few deals, you emotionally get really, you get heavy and it becomes very difficult for you to even be effective in sales. So I'd be curious to know, like, I love how you call them. You have these magical moments of suck. And, you know, in business or in sales, these might be small. You could have some life-transforming ones. But why do you give it the label of magical? And what are we supposed to do to help us transition through that? Well, I mean, I talk about magical moment because many times, well, the first thing that we have to do is actually embrace what really sucked. The fact that you didn't close on one deal, two deals, 10 deals, it has been a low streak, or the fact that the business that you've been pouring your heart and soul into is not quite where you've wanted to see it grow. 
as of yet. It can be, as you're saying, hard to rise over that. But if we look beneath the layer of, well, what is it that we are actually afraid of? Or what is this period trying to tell me? What is the underlying meaning? Does it mean that I have to just have more grace with myself? Does it mean that where I'm finding these clients, they're just not my people? Is it the fact that there's an issue with my verbiage, my languaging, and I have to read up on a book to better my skills and practice more? And so there are several different variables to why we're having a low slump, but it really takes the awareness to actually say, oh, okay, there is that magic moment. There is something beneath the actual, oh gosh, why me moment to say, hmm, okay, there's this red flag. What's the sign? What is this pain actually alluding to? And what else can I learn from this? And that's kind of that higher version of ourself because the real life, low key hurt version of, you know, us being in our victim and, you know, the ego that comes out of how come they said no to me or what's wrong with me versus, okay, I see that this is a pattern. Either I'm having a bad month or I have to get some different skills. What am I going to choose? Yeah, I love that, that you can actually look at it as an investigation, right? Because, oh my God, I've had so many times where if this was happening to me, I'd just be like, oh my God, now I'd need to double down on activities in that negative state. And I've wasted so much time and probably didn't elevate my brand at the same time when I've acted in that energy. Like just having a bad sales month, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to schedule this webinar and I'm just going to do a hack job. I'll do this, this, this. And I start just creating so much activity so that I can force the suck to not happen, but I'm not thinking of it as a magical moment. I'm looking at it as a moment. I'm trying to escape as fast as possible. What you're sharing is I think something that might be a better prescription, but obviously you, you can't stay there forever. And so how do you heal that? And like, what do you look for to start transitioning things around? Because it seems like just doing more activity is not the answer. Well, in doing more activity, what we're actually doing is we're numbing, we're suppressing, we're bypassing, we are trying to change our state right away, we're trying to push it around, we're actually even shoving it under a rug sometimes, because it makes us feel good. It makes us going to the next thing, you know, busying ourselves. My coping mechanism during sucky moments is I overwork, and I overcompensate by trying to be helpful for other people. And, you know, then my plate is extra full and then I go to burnout. Right. And so I think that the first, you know, step that we can do is embrace the suck. Okay. Embrace the fact that we are having these feelings of overwhelm. We're having these feelings of crap, I can't control this. Like, why are things not going in the direction that I had hoped or that I thought? I thought I was going to have this many deals closed and it's not there. I thought my business was supposed to be where it's supposed to be and it's not there. Okay, instead of busying ourselves and making and keep trying to keep close more and more deals, why don't we pause and actually sit in the suck? And here's where people get confused because most highly ambitious people or successful people who are wanting to go for the gold and go-getters, they're so afraid to sit in that suck because that suck would mean that what if I get stuck? And what if I get stuck in that suck that I cannot move forward? 
And that can look like spiraling, that can look like depression, that can look like massive anxiety, that can look like burnout. So we don't stop, which means we don't even give our nervous system a break to say, all right, hold on, pump up the brakes and let's breathe, first of all, and let's do some introspection. Let's have space to contemplate on what is actually going on beneath the hood right now. Is it true that I'm actually really sucky at business? Is it true that I suck in sales? No. Okay, then let's identify what I'm feeling. Let's identify the emotions that I don't want to sit in because it's too uncomfortable that I busy myself or I try to do the next thing in the next thing versus what Warren Buffet, right? The most amazing investor of all time. He actually, you know, plans out his days where he has more space in his day for just thinking and not doing. And that contemplation allows us the space to actually think, oh, okay, and have that awareness to say, all right, this is not just me. This is a feeling that I'm feeling. And I'm going to release the pressure valve or the pressure cooker of these emotions. And then the thoughts that are ruminating in my mind telling me I'm not good enough and I'm not going to make it, or this is not going anywhere that I need to keep doing. Instead of that, we release it by stating, okay, I'm feeling anxious right now. And we can take a pause. We can breathe, come back and then say, all right, well, that sucked. Now what? And then now what can be the mantra to say, what does this actually mean? And to go through the prompts of, do I need more support? Do I need more practice? Do I just need a weekend away from my business that I haven't given myself permission to be away from because I feel like I need to keep doing and doing? Yeah. You know, as you say this, there's things that comes through my mind. And I remember some of those sucky moments in my life. Like I'm going through like, say, a bad chapter in a relationship. And the best thing that I ever did was actually put myself into a little silent retreat for a weekend just to be with my thoughts and kind of go through it and figure things out. But what you're making me realize is, you know, I'm actually kind of in that moment right now. You know, I'm actually making myself have a lot of questions and a lot of doubts. And I realize that I have in someone just keeping myself busy. And I realized that I haven't necessarily given myself that space to go and process my thoughts, align myself. And it's been making me act and react to a lot of decisions as opposed to take a step back and do the process that you're speaking about. And so I think that's quite refreshing to hear. And, you know, it seems like the world's moving faster and faster. And I've been trying to keep up with it when I realized that, well, there's, everything's moving fast. If I don't take a moment to step back and get grounded as to what's actually important to me, I'll be spinning my wheels. And so... I appreciate the message. No, and well, I was just going to say, and you know, then we're in reactive mode and we're trying to just put out fires. And that's where we, you know, take a pause and to refresh ourselves to say, okay, we're in this season. What am I going to make meaning of? What does that magical moment actually reveal? And then it might actually reveal that the chaos is the break that we need to reconfigure things. And it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. It doesn't mean that I need to go and do something else. It just means that, all right, we need to take a pause and recalibrate, realign, and then, you know, see what that now what looks like. Interesting. 
If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. So I like the fact that you can actually, you know, cleanse yourself, get yourself at least to a calm space so you can ask that question now what, and there is an appreciation of that magical moment so you can actually see that it's there to reveal your things that you need to figure out. The now what? Are we talking about moving into this bounce factor or is this already too early to be speaking about that? No, we can definitely move into the bounce factor. Oh, yes. Because that's what we're looking for, right? We're all like, okay, I understand. But of course, I'm a very action-oriented person, so I have to embrace the suck. But then I'm thinking about the now what very powerfully and thinking, okay, how do I get back around that? So what are we trying to do here? Yes. So when we are bouncing back, right, from a sucky situation, a sucky time, a sucky chapter, there are what I've discovered, and this, you know, started in my journey of from my transition when I sold my practice in dentistry into then running my own research around how leaders make decisions. And it took me on a track across 45 different countries. And I was then asked several different questions by different types of people. And one of which brought me to a gathering of women and parents who got a hold of one of my earlier books and asked, because I had gone through a lot of adversity growing up, loss, and they were a particular group that lived right outside of Silicon Valley. And this is, these were moms and they were parents. And I wasn't a mom. I wasn't a parent at the, the time. And they had asked me to speak. And this was after I was at Google speaking there because they wanted to know, is there a way that you can build resilience without having gone through as much adversity and loss as you went through as a child? And they were asking this because three people had committed suicide earlier in that year in their school. And if you ever know anything about Silicon Valley, this is where all the tech entrepreneurs live. This is where their kids go to school. So think lots of pressure put on these children. And so that to me was a call of more responsibility because I was actually sharing just my story at this point. And I wanted to actually come up with something tangible that 
And I was curious as well, was this actually true? Could we actually teach resilience? And what did that actually mean? So that sparked this book as well, That Sucked Now What? How to Embrace the Joy and Chaos and Find Magic in the Mess. And because now this is the next generation, right, of young people. And we know that the mental health crisis is big. One in three young people have you know, some sort of either anxiety, depression, there is an emotional health crisis going on. And so if we take the literal meaning of resilient, it means two bounds. Yet everyone always equates resiliency to toughness and mental toughness. And even my first book, it was kind of the paradox of that emotional grit, because you know, you can't be emotional and have grit at the same time, or can you? So this is just a continuation of that in my research now has arrived to four pillars of building your bounce factor, thanks to those moms who had to go through those losses. And can it be taught? Well, resilient means to bounce. And if I take this glass of water and I let it go, this has a lot of toughness, right? It's made out of glass. If I let it go, it's going to shatter. It's going to shatter into a million pieces. Yet, if I take a ball let's just say, a ball that I use with my children, a ball that they play with, soccer ball, basketball, you name it. If you take that and you just hold it in your hands, well, what are you going to notice, the properties of the ball? Okay, it's tough, but it's soft. It's agile, but it has a little bit of give. So when you release it, it is going to bounce, sometimes less, sometimes more than before. And so the first part of building your bounce factor is to make peace with what didn't go well. That could be in your upbringing, that could be in a relationship, that could be in getting fired, that could be whatever patterns, and that's going to take some introspection, whatever patterns have led you to where you are. It might not be easy. It might actually require you to do some digging. Were you told something when you were little? Were you treated differently from your siblings because you were the oldest or you were the youngest? Were you, you know, growing up in a two-parent household or was it a one-parent household? Did you have trauma, tragedy, where you now have a chip on your shoulder? And so when you do sales, every time you feel rejected or have that ping of rejection when somebody says no, it brings you back all the way when you were four, right? And so what have we not made peace with? So that's the first step. The second step is, well, how often are we inviting good stress? What is in our current environment? And that's what I really want us to pay attention to is how often are we hearing no's in our sales process to actually garner one or two yeses? And why did those people say yes? Are you actually doing a deep dive around that? And if you're not, Well, let's dig into that. Let's invite more good stress. Let's have more courageous conversations that make us lean into discomfort. So that's the second piece. The third piece is let's embrace our emotional capacity to allow the feelings of rejection, to allow the feelings of sadness, to allow the feelings of, wow, I'm not there yet. And this makes me feel like a loser or this makes me feel inadequate or not enough. And then finally, the last piece is 
let's build our RSA, our radical self-awareness. And that's kind of the fourth building block because it comes down to really that observation with what's in alignment with us and what's not, knowing when to take a break, knowing when to pause, knowing when to put the pause button on versus acting and reacting in FOMO and the fact that something's just going to break and that you have to fix everything. Wow. You know, one thing that happens when you're starting to learn about signing with love, like the last chapter that I talk about is actually self-love. Like that's funny because it's the last chapter, but if you go through the entire book about selling with love, it's actually what permeates the entire book. It's just this having understanding that your own self-idea, your own self-love is going to be a huge factor to your success in sales. Again, because the rejections and the no's you're not going to get a hundred percent closing rate unless you're just speaking to your family. And, and even that <laughs> might true. not be a hundred percent rate, right? So if you're going out there and trying to speak to more stranger, offer products and services or be an entrepreneur and, you know, build things and get clients in the process, you're going to face no. And if you're having all of this baggage that really create a massive trigger every time you do hear that, no, it makes it so, so emotional and difficult to actually go through. So I love that this journey of going through your book makes you so much more self-aware. And I do have to say, if something can actually create some micro traumas to force you to investigate, there's nothing like being an entrepreneur or a salesperson where you get such a quick feedback that if something isn't fully aligned, you're going to find that sucky moment real quick. And then you're going to need to go through that bounce factor and being able to get that radical self-awareness because you will have to because your success in the process is going to be really really influenced by what you do in that kind of dimension yet it's beautiful because by just choosing to go down that path you get to grow so much faster so much better and you get to you know not go and find yourself numbed and finding comfort to not deal with anything you're forced to deal with it in a pretty quick way and i think that's a great thing i think it's one of the fastest paths to growth and i mean for someone that's been a multiple entrepreneur a multiple business owner i'm sure you've went through those ups and downs would you say that this is something that you would encourage people to do in order to grow themselves as getting into a place of sales and business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the very first step, you know, to have something like this on your bedstand, on your nightstand, so that you can refer back and this can be a guide and a tool to encourage you because yes, it's going to be sucky. Yes. In fact, you know, entrepreneurs and folks in sales, you can actually have a high bounce factor, but you can also be the biggest critique of yourself. And if we're not taking care of our own mental health and our emotional capacity and allow some of those emotions to come out, allow healthy coping mechanisms where we can process these emotions, not sit with them, not have it be a barrier to our success, but actually allow us to expand and stretch in ways that, yeah, it'll make us feel uncomfortable because we're used to winning, we're used to getting the gold. But when we sit on the opposite side of that, when we sit in the contrast, that allows us our next evolution and our next potential. So, All right, there's a lot that I need to work on myself. I think for anybody else listening, this is going to be a journey that you will probably have to navigate yourself. You know, one of the biggest things I've taken away, Nita, from this conversation is just knowing that, you know, the emotions, we have to embrace every cycle. If it is a cycle, that means, yes, sometimes it will be down. And I think we have this illusion that we should always be up. Things should always work. We should always move forward and, you know, you tighten up your bootlaces and keep moving forward. But I think those biggest periods that allow you to discover better. And, you know, I think 
think in the, especially the beginning stages of business, you're trying to find your product market fit. You're trying to understand who's the customer avatar you want to serve. And when you see those things might be out of alignment, you might not see that success. And those might create some sucky moments in the process. And I love that you create this space that, hey, this is going to happen and it's okay. And we can't just ignore it, dodge it. We need to kind of face it, embrace it, and actually label it as magical because it's going to be a part of the journey. And that being said, if we want to actually go through the framework and get ourselves to bounce back, hey, first process it, then start realizing that we have to investigate, diagnose the now what actually is a beautiful space that we can start seeing. Well, what is it that's causing these things? This is not a problem. This is not because I'm faulty. This is actually a signal for change. And there's some beautiful discovery that can go on the other side. And you end up with this radical self-awareness so that now you know, oh, look, I have this tendency where I push it too far. I do too many crazy things and then I burn out. And that's kind of my cycle. So we have to start becoming aware of breaking those patterns. And from there, I know you go so much deeper into the book. And I'd love to know if someone's going through this process, they're gaining that radical self-awareness. Are there other things that you suggest so that we can actually continue to have this forward momentum as we're going on this journey? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of the things that I share even with my students at Dharma Coaching Institute, where they're totally new to selling and totally new to onboarding and having discovery calls and then turning that discovery call into an onboarding call and a sales call. And they're afraid to make the pitch. They're afraid to make the pitch and they're afraid to come off across as too salesy or too pushy. And it's their own insecurities. It's their own thoughts and things that people told them about money and sales and conversations and difficult conversations, even because some people are people pleasers. You know, I was a former people pleaser myself and it's hard to sit in that. And, and so the book has so many tools. That was just part two of the book that we shared. Part three of the book goes into flying forward and flying forward. We talk about a five-step framework where there is a cycle. There's a cycle of life. There's a cycle of death. There's a cycle of falling and there's a cycle of thriving. And when we get into magnifying and thriving in the third part of the book, we talk about steps and strategies to magnify your business, to magnify yourself as a leader, knowing that when you're in thriving, yes, there will probably be a fall. There will probably be an ignition for you to make a decision haphazardly or make a decision that you can't fully think through, or you'll have to trust your instinct, your radical self-awareness in order to make that. But yet it's part of life. It's part of, you know, our entrepreneurial cycle and journey in sales. And so also when you get the book at thatsocknowwhat.com, you also get a 44-page digital guide that I love because this is your own self-healing guide. So when you're going through the trenches, when you're going through these sucky moments, that you're not alone. You actually have this as a tool to unpack some of those stories that we might be telling ourselves, and it might not be true, right? So mm, I love it. Nita, it was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast and come and share. I'm very excited that you brought this forward. I think it's much needed. I think for anybody else that's going through these cycles and maybe finding yourself not fully aligned and you're wondering why does this suckiness keep coming back? 
perhaps we need to actually investigate a little more and picking up a copy of That Sucked. Now what? We will have a link in the show notes so you can get a copy of that as well as discover so much more from Dr. Nita's work at the Dharma Coaching Institute as well. Nita, it was such a pleasure, but I have to ask the one question I ask all my guests that come on the show, which is you're on the Selling with Love podcast. So what does Selling with Love mean to Nita? Ooh, coming from a place of love. I think, Jason, you and I go back a very long time where I can tell you one of my core values is service and love. And if we are coming from a place of love, then selling with love is easy because we're just having a conversation. I love it. Nita, thank you so much for all you do, all you shared. For everybody else tuning in, again, check out those show notes as well as grab a copy of that book. It's going to be a magical way for you to navigate the coming times. There is a lot of change happening in the world and we can evolve with it, thrive. We can actually bounce forward, fly forward and do all those magical things in the process. Nita, once again, thank you for being on the show and everyone else, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.